by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Turn to Romans 8.2. Romans 8.2. Are you ready for great things to happen today? Hmm. Your expectation qualifies you for great things to happen today. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Could I ask you to do something before we go any further? Would you stand to your feet if you're at all able for just a moment. And let's read this scripture together. Let's not just read it together. Let's proclaim this scripture. Let's tell forth this with faith behind these words. Read it with me. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Give yourselves a round of applause and you can be seated. <laughs> you know what I see there? I see two laws at work. There's a law of spirit of life. That sounds good. But then there's another law of sin and death. Ah! And he's saying, Jesus has set you free from this one so that you can grab a hold of this one. That you can live, you can choose to live in the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. You remember last week we talked about just be free. If you were here, I shared how the Lord spoke those words to me. And I was like, I don't know, you know. I'm used to my, my guilt and I'm used to my condemnation. And I'm used to feeling bad about myself all the time. And the Lord just spoke to me in the morning and I said, just be free. And I said, oh, Lord, that just... It's, I tell other people to do it, but I don't think I could do it to really just be free, just to, just to trust him with all that I am, even my failures and my ugly side. Could I really just be free? And man, we got to, we got to shouting before it was over with a little bit. You know, we were excited about that possibility. No more condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to make ourselves feel bad all the time. <laughs> so we talk, we start, I didn't know we were starting a series, but I guess we are. Today is Just Be Free Part 2, and we're going to call it Out by the Pool. <laughs> and you say, well, here he goes again. I don't even know what he's talking about, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> well, I'm talking about the Pool of Bethesda. You ever heard of that in John chapter 5? The story's in there. And it tells a story of, about the pool of Bethesda is in the city gates of the old Jerusalem. And it used to be like an upper pool or something where water would flow through and they could control the water. And it was probably drinking water for the city or water for the city. But after a while, not so much. All the 
the broken, halt, and lame, and diseased people began to go there and lay out and beg for money. They kind of took over the park, so to speak, because there was colonnades and places to get out from under the rain, and they would just bring their mat and the paralytics and people couldn't walk, and they would sit there, and, and I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know, I don't think they had porta-potties back then, and, and I'm not sure about the sewage systems back then, and I think over time, this beautiful pool probably became more like a cesspool. What do you think? I don't know. The, the Bible tells about this man who had been lame for 38 years. He had been coming to this pool. And there was this superstition. Now, some people say that maybe God really sent angels to stir up the water and the first one that got in got healed. I don't believe that. I don't think God makes us fight each other over our healing. I believe that was some superstition that the Romans, the Greeks had made up. And so the people were there hoping, like playing the lottery, that one day I'll get healed if I stay by this cesspool long enough. That just sounds like another ploy from the enemy, doesn't it? The devil's always telling you, well, just hang out with me a little longer. You know, let's me and you hang out by the pool. I don't want to hang out by the cesspool. Well, anyway, I wanted to show you a video, a video clip. Can somebody get ready to get those lights? Uh... This man has been lame for 38 years. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. So, look at me, look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. I tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. 
It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. didn't like the idea that somebody got set free but they wasn't sitting out by the pool of sin anymore not feeling bad about themselves not hoping in fairy tales they were asking who is this man he said I, I don't know he just healed me he's the one that made me better and then later Jesus meets the man and we see in John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. Isn't that awesome? The man gets up from beside the pool, the cesspool of sin and false belief, and he goes to the temple. After Jesus heals him, he goes to the temple. And he said to him, See, Jesus says to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus is saying that this man has been crippled for 38 years by sin. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who's crippled or everybody who has a deformity or everybody, any, I'm not saying anybody knows your situation but you and God. Because the disciples asked Jesus in another case, he said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, neither, but that the glory of God may be 
shown in his life. So it's not for me to, to judge somebody and say, oh, this is because of their sin. We're not playing that game. But in this case, this man's life, he just sat in his filth. You can imagine, you saw, he had no hope left. And you look around in society today and you see people just going through the motions. They may not be paralytic. They may be able to walk on their own two feet, but they're not getting anywhere. They're broke down and broke out. They're worn down and worn out. They have no hope left. They've just fallen into sin, and sin just pulls you down into the pit. This man would have been a fool to see, to not see what sin had cost him in his life. I'm so glad that this man man went to the temple and didn't get up and walk around and didn't come back and put his mat back by the pool. Hmm. Sin is like a wrecking ball in our lives. You say, but pastor, last week you was talking about how we're free from sin. And no, no condemnation and no guilt. Why are you trying to preach about sin now? I thought we was past all that. No, I preached last week that you could be free from sin. That, the, that you have been freed from sin, but you can go to the pool back again if you want to. But I want, I want to do everything in my power today to make this a happy message about sin because sin has been dealt with by Jesus Christ. But if you insist on staying in sin, I wrote down some things. It's a wrecking ball in our life. Like if you, if you insist on lying. You know a lot of people lie so much they believe their own lies now? I mean, <laughs> you know they're lying, and I believe they believe it more than I do. Lying, stealing, gossip, slander, all these kind of things, they wreck our character and our witness for Jesus. Hatred, anger, unforgiveness. The wrecking balls of our relationship with God and with other people and, and the peace that we're supposed to have. You can't have, be angry and at peace at the same time. Oh, I have the peace of God that passes all understanding, but I hate that guy over there. <laughs> you got one toe in, in each pool, huh? No, it don't work like that. Those pools ain't nowhere near together. I'm talking about the pool of living water over here. I'm talking about you got a membership to a new pool. You don't have to go back to that old pool. Gluttony. Well, you know, everybody, you know, indulges the flesh every now and then, but the, the gluttony will wreck your health. Cut your race short. Fornication, wrecker of your purity and your innocence. Out there having sex with people that ain't your wife or your husband. That's not God's plan. And it ruins your innocence. You get, we're just giving ourselves away to everybody. That was never God's intention for, for sex. Sex is supposed to be beautiful within the confines of the marriage relationship. 
And then once you're in those confines, what about adultery? Oh, that's, that hurts. That we would do that to someone that we have become one with. Man, you're talking about wrecking families and generations of families. Once, mm, let me not get there. Lust and pornography, records of marital in intimacy. You think, well, I, I've heard people say crazy stuff like I need to watch pornography so that I, to, to enhance my relations with my wife or something. You have bumped your head. No, that is the worst thing. That is the, the, the very worst thing that you could do to prevent intimacy with your wife. Then there's all kind of spiritual wickedness. I'm just throwing out some sin, okay? Spiritual wickedness like sorcery and witchcraft. You say, no, none of us are in any of that. That's heavy-duty stuff. But what about checking out your horoscope every now and then and playing the lottery and going to prom readers to try to find your way in life? Man, that is an abomination to the Lord that you would turn somewhere else instead of to God, your creator. That is a wrecker of your faith and a misplacement of your hope in this life. Then you got drunkenness and drugs. Just trying to numb down the pain. Just, I don't want to feel anything anymore. But that's a wrecker of hopes and dreams. God has a purpose for your life. You're not going to get there. What does it say? What? <laughs> I almost had a joke, but it left me. You're never getting nowhere smoking the pipe or whatever that commercial I used to say. <laughs> but you won't. You'll never reach your dreams staying numb down on drugs and alcohol. You'll, you get yourself in trouble and you probably spend most of your life in jail. That's not God's plan. He's unlocking prison doors here today. That's what he does. And then there's idolatry and pride. Records of our alignment and intimacy with God. The original sin. And then, then there I wrote down, I'm just writing down some. Covetedness. Is that how you say it? That's hard to say, man. There's a few words I can't say good. Hyperbole. I can't. And covetedness. I mean, I mean, I can go to class and try to learn and still couldn't say them. You say, well, covetous ain't that bad. You know, he's just wanting a little something for yourself. You know, wanting what your neighbor has. I, you know, everybody does that. No, it is a record of your contentment in this life. You say, well, why is contentment so important? Because contentment with godliness is great gain, the Bible says. Well, I got to have that latest refrigerator, huh? You know, I, I went to Sam's the other day. They got 82-inch TVs now. I, I, my little 70s got to go. Your, your bank accounts, you ain't even got a bank account. Your credit cards are maxed out trying to, because you're not content. And guess what? Next year, they're going to have 95-inch TVs at Sam's. You're not going to be able to keep up. The devil's just going to keep that carrot in front of your nose. And you'll never be content. Paul says, I've learned to be hungry for more, but yet content. I'm content where I'm at. That's where the peace of God is. Contentment is important. And your covetedness of having to have something else. 
You remember last week when I said, I, I read the scripture about don't bring tomorrow's worries into today. And how that's bad makes you, you're not content. You, you, it, it messes with your peace. And so me and Angie were talking and I was saying, yeah. And I see a lot of people not just bringing tomorrow's worries into today, but bringing yesterday's worries and cares and hurts and pain into today. They keep bringing up and rehashing all the bad things they've been through just to make themselves feel, feel miserable right now. You know what? We live right now. And we have to protect right now because the time is now and will always be now. So why are you going to put dates on your calendar just so you can make yourself feel bad when that date gets there? That's the date they stole my, my car. Or that's the date, you know, I got kicked out of this. Or that's the date so-and-so passed. You just keep rehearsing, rehearsing. There's a time you went through a, a grieving period. And there's still hurt there. I know there's scars there. But you ain't got to go out of your way to keep rehearsing it and bringing yesterday's hurt into today. Just like you don't bring tomorrow's worries into today. And then I thought, what about the right now? Is it, are we living in discontentment? I know I often am. Well, God, I want more. God, I want this. I want that. I got to have it now. And see, God is, he's infinitely patient. Have you noticed? Because he does things the right way. He does them from the inside out. He's trying to get you to a place where you break if you're just going to be discontent all the time. He's, he can't do things through you till he does things to you. In you. And so we just have to Except this is where I am at this station in my life. This is what God's doing. And I'm doing my best and that's all I can do. And I'm going to be content. I'm not bringing tomorrow's worries. Not dragging yesterday's past. And I'm not going to be di uh, discontent. That, my friends, is what I'm trying to talk about. Just be free. Look at your neighbor and say, just be free. All sin is a wrecking ball to the purpose of God in your life. It's nasty. I just, that's really the main thing I wanted to get across to you today. Because we act like, well, you know, my little sin. People don't see it, you know, it's behind the scenes. Or, or maybe your sin they do see, but you've just grown accustomed to it. or whatever. And sin is sin. We all do it. So we're all covered, right? We're all, but, it, but if we really understood... That every poor mom and their children waiting for her husband to come home that gets killed by a drunk driver. The sin did that. Every old person that worked their whole life to have a retirement to only to be cheated by somebody in some call center in India. Sin. Destroying and wrecking lives, little children being sold into sex trade. It's sin. Is that, does that sound like stuff that can be petted and tolerated? It doesn't. And that's why Jesus gave his life so that you wouldn't have to. 
Because now you can overcome sin. And you can be free. And you can shout that I am free. Just be free. He lived a sinless life to say, hey, it can be done. And he gave his life and spilt his blood to free us from the penalty of sin. Oh, my friends, don't just hang out by the old pool anymore. You've been set free from that life. What did Peter say? Pick up your mat and walk because you won't be back this way anymore. All things are new now. All things have become new. And you've got to choose to be new. To walk in the fullness of your salvation. There's a Bob Dylan song used to say, going to have to serve somebody. You know how he sings. But you're going to have to serve somebody. And he was telling the truth. You say, I thought when I was set free, when, when the, he who the son sets free is free indeed. I thought that meant I was free to do whatever I want whenever I want. No. You were set free from your jail cell, but if you go out there and you keep on sinning, you're going right back to the jail cell. You're not free to do what you want. You're free to do what you ought. And you have the power to do what you ought now by the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, empowering you to live a, a good life and a powerful life. Romans 6, 14 it says, sin is no longer your master. Somebody ought to shout about that. Because all of us got a history with that master, don't we? It drove us. It snared us. It held us down. It laughed in our face. For you, are no you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. The spirit of the law, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, grace. The spirit of the law, sin and death. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. But some people get saved and they think, oh, okay. I had a guy tell me that one time. He got saved. He kept on beating his wife. He kept on drinking and, and partying and cheating on his wife and all these things. And I confronted him. He said, I said that prayer. I'm, just, I'm going to heaven just like you. I said, no, you're not. You are deceiving yourself. There was no surrender in your heart when you, when you said that prayer. There was no repentance in you to think that you, you could sin like that and, and trample the blood of Jesus underfoot with no conviction. Now there's people, let's be honest, there's people that do that and they're just, they just never really got saved. They, their heart never changed. They, they, God knows the heart. But there are people who sincerely gave their heart to Jesus and still struggle with sin. All of us. But we struggle with it. We don't say, oh, well, I'm saved now and I can do what I want to. No. We fight against it. 
Verse 16 says, don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You're going to have to serve somebody. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. He says, just be free so that you can live free. Just be free so that you can have righteousness in your life. 1 Peter 2.16 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. You know what happens when you align your life with God's will? Blessing. Obedience brings blessing. Everything that you deep down want as a person in your heart, it comes from obedience to God. He wants to get you those things. He put those desires in them. You will not find them in the darkness over by the cesspool. You can swim in that pool all day long, and you will not find the contentment that your heart desires. It is only found in the living water of Jesus Christ. That is where everything that your heart desire is waiting on you. To be a servant of righteousness is true freedom. You're going to serve somebody, so I'm serving freedom. I'm serving the Lord. I'm serving His right ways of doing things because it's bringing me the life that my soul desires. To the degree we submit to Christ is to the degree our freedom is impacted. The law of sowing and reaping you see, it's still in effect even for Christians. Yes, you were forgiven. But God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. You understand? If, uh, if I was the governor, and I often tell them guys down at the jail, what if I came here and offered you a pardon? You'd take it. They, I'm out of there. They'd snatch that thing and wouldn't even look at the guard on the way out. They're gone. Oh, I got my freedom. But if they get out there and they continue to do what got them in there in the first place, they'll be right back. Right? No. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Let him set you free indeed. Because there's still wages for our sin. And the wage of sin is death. It's still coming back in, in our lives right now. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, this is Paul wrestling. Now, now imagine this. The apostle Paul who wrote, wrote like over half of the New Testament had to wrestle against the sin nature. He understood that he had to choose life every day. He had to choose to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. You understand? And he was saying, I told you last week how he said, man, the thing I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do is the thing I do. And, and he went back and forth and saying, oh, man, this is crazy. Who shall save me from this body of death? And he said, oh, Jesus Christ. And then here in verse 23, he says, you say I am allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. You say I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And then he says something that I want to turn the shift of where we're going in this message. Y'all saturated all that y'all can take. 
Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. You see, in Christ, we can live fearlessly. In Christ, we can enjoy the fullness of his design, his design and his plan for our lives. To go about doing the works that Jesus did, caring for others. He said, greater works than these because I go to the Father. I'll be up there praying for you and empowering you to do it. If you'll just love other people, that's where you'll find fulfillment, contentment, significance, and hope and expectation. That is the life of a free person. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, Romans 6, says, But now having been set free from sin, okay, I've made my choice. I'm setting myself free from sin and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit to holiness and in the end, everlasting life. Life is what we want. You know, we got this uh, life group that meets at my house on Wednesday nights this semester and it's called Real Life because you, you, if you've heard me preach, you know I've been preaching a lot on Colossians 3.3 3, that says that your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Your real life. And it just blew my mind when I saw that in the New Living Translation. You mean I, can, I have a real life and what I'm living now might not be my real life? I need to check that out. I might be sitting by the pool and not know it. The guy was there 38 years and didn't recognize he shouldn't be there. So maybe I have an obligation to find out if I'm living my real life. So we, we put together a life group this semester, me and Angie, and met at our house called Your, Your Real Life Life Group, I think is what it called, something along those lines. And we've really been talking about the last several weeks just getting into what is life? How, how do we get life? Where, where does it come from? And and of course, you know, it's all in Jesus. And we, 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 uh, we found out what our real life is. And we talked about uh, everything that, and, and everybody was sharing, and everybody was saying good stuff, and it all sounded so scriptural. And, and we were, man, we was digging out what life was, and we was getting excited about life. And then at the very last meeting, last Wednesday night, Right before the meeting, I said, Lord, what do we, you know, I got more scriptures for, we, for us to cover or whatever, but is there anything? And he began to reveal something in my heart that I hadn't even thought of about what real life is. And it's really the most important thing. And so I threw out a few scriptures and I talked and I, and I prodded. And people began to realize that our real life is a life of love. We're not just set free so that we can say, hey, I can, I can get that 82-inch TV now. I can, I can, I can uh, get me a retirement and an RV, and I can get all these things that I want for this. But, but what about a life that's not about me? I mean, all the things we were talking about, real life made us feel good about me. But what if real life is not about me? Because that is the way love operates. Yes, love loves, <laughs> loves you too. But love is, is a verb. Love is loving others. Love is caring more about others than it cares about itself. 
And in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the Apostle Paul says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Say, Christ's love controls us. Does it, or are you just lying in church? <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the spot, I'm just kidding. I made you say it. But be honest with yourself. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, we could quit right here, right? The preacher said his stuff, and we left. We talked about sin. That's all I remember. Or do you really want to change? Do you really want freedom? Do you really want life and life more abundantly? Because I'm telling you right here, this is how Christ's love controls us. And I'm asking you, is that what is happening in your life? Because you may be sitting closer to this pool than you realize. He says, since we believe that Christ died for all, that's an example of love. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? Themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Real life is a life expressed in God's love. Well, I guess you guys already know all this, so we'll just quit. I keep threatening to quit, but you know I'm not. I'm almost through. But you know I've said a mouthful today. I've said enough to change every one of your lives. From the Word of God, as Words have been spoken that will change your life forever. And you can sit there and just say, go through the motions of another sermon if you want. But I want to be changed. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live a life of freedom. I've made that abundantly clear, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That is freedom. For the whole law can be summed up in this command, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's all, that's the, the rule of life. And that is the rule that leads to life. To love your neighbor as you love yourself. You see, self. Self, 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 self implodes when it's all about me, me, me. That's why you're discontent. That's why your life is always, woe is me. Look what they do to me. Self from the inside out, blows up. It implodes. Selfishness. Self-destruction. I'm still preaching good news. This is a good message. I want to encourage I want to encourage us today.
You've been set free. If you belong to Christ, your sins are paid for. You don't have to live condemnation, guilt, shame. The door is flung wide open. The pardon has been written in the blood of Jesus Christ. Life is available to you. But you've got to choose. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to be a servant to sin or a servant to Jesus Christ? Are you going to stay by the cesspool that brought you down so low that you finally hit your knees and asked for help? But then are you going to go back to that for help? The man looked at Jesus in that clip and said, are you going to put me in the pool? And Jesus said, there's nothing for you there. You need me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the love of God. And I have paid for you a membership in a new pool full of living water where out of your heart can flow rivers of love thoughts for other people and a life of generosity all those things you know you make, makes you feel good but you, but you keep getting pulled down by your flesh to me, me, me but I'm telling you eternal life is found in Jesus Please stand to your feet. I've done all I could do to convince you of the wickedness and the filth of that cesspool called sin and tell you that you don't have to live there, but I can't make the decision for you. Like who has it been telling me over and over that you can bring a horse to water? I think Brother Greg, we was talking. You can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. You have to drink this water for yourself. And it's living water. And it's crystal clear and it flows from the heart of God. From the throne room. And it's available to you today. So I want you to repeat after me. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Y'all, y'all don't, I don't think y'all getting it. Joe, man, you, you know I don't like being up here having to prod people, right? You know, I just, I, I wish the church didn't have to be prodded. But, you know, a parent sometimes has to, has to throw the kid in the nursery and shut the door and walk away. Because <laughs> they don't want to go. You know, sometimes I don't want to have to boost you up while we're up here worshiping. And I don't know what to say, and I don't know how to get you to worship. And I don't know how to get you to mean this when you say it. But you know what? I'm going to go to my grave trying to. Because it's burning like a fire shut up in my bones. And I know if you can get a taste of it of freedom, of that living water, of love of Jesus Christ. It'll change your world forever. I'm, I know you're saved. I know most of you, 
It ain't a matter of heaven or hell. That decision's already been made. I'm talking a, ma a matter of life down here. Real life. And having crowns to bring with you when you get there and cast at Jesus' feet. So let's say it again. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. I ain't going to the cesspool. I'm going to the living water. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. <laughs> Take up your mat and walk because we ain't coming back this way again. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you were to die, you say, I don't know where I would go. I, I still feel like I'm guilty of my sins. Maybe you, you're still living in your sins. Maybe you are still under the wrath of God. There is a wrath of God for the sin. God is a just judge, and the sin debt must be paid, you see. The only difference between you and that person who knows they're going to heaven sitting next to you is they received the pardon, the forgiveness. They didn't earn it. They couldn't earn it. They simply said, Jesus, I'm trusting in what you did on the cross and not trusting in myself and my own good works. I'm through with that. I'm off the throne. God, take control. I repent. You have your way. And if you'll just make that confession from the heart, because it's with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. And with the heart, man believes into a right standing with God. Romans 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere there. I think 13. God just wants you to say it out loud that you need him. And then what he did when he conquered sin, death, hell, and the grave by resurrecting and, die, and, pay, and paying the sin. He, you see, he, he bore the wrath for sin. Sin that has been paid. You just maybe haven't received your pardon yet. And he just wants to hear it out of your mouth that you need it. You have to ask for it. If you've never done that, oh, it's the best thing. It's the start of this new life. He will send his spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, he's daddy. I'm adopted into the family. He will send his spirit into your heart to help you overcome sin. You'll have an option now. Before you were just sinners and you were stuck in this sin nature with no real power to overcome it. But now sin is no longer your master when Jesus is Lord of your life. The Holy Spirit in you is stronger than any sin in this world. And he will save you from yourself and from destruction, from the enemy, from hell. And he will place you into the Lamb's book of life where you know that you will live for Jesus forever and ever you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, would you raise your hand right now and let me pray with you? Anybody in here today said, I need Jesus. I, I want to go to heaven. I want to I live life. I want to I overcome sin. I want my, my purpose to be fulfilled in this world. You know that you need Jesus. Anybody? Maybe there's somebody online right now. I don't know. Maybe somebody will watch this 20 years from now. Be digging through old YouTube files Say, who is that idiot? But the conviction of the Holy Spirit will come on you. And all you'll need to do is say, Jesus, I repent of my sins. With my whole heart, I give myself to you. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.